are you? Well, thank you very much. And um, I am delighted to be able to explore together some more fascinating insights from our friend, uh, Xavier Kabbalah. So this week, uh, welcome to everyone. And this week we learn, we are reading about uh, Parshas Bukhukosai. It's the concluding Parsha in the book of Vayikra. And um, as we approach... Uh, Receiving the Torah, the festival of receiving the Torah, I hope we'll be able to learn um, some insights, as I said, into the Torah itself. And I, I actually want to mention, because I may forget later, that next week we'll be in recess because it is a bank holiday and um, some people, including myself, may be away. So we won't be in session next week, but hopefully Hashem, the following week. Okay, I want to begin near the beginning. If you've got the Art Scroll Stone Chumash, it's page 708, and whatever Chumash you may be using, we're in Vayikra, actually, um, well, chapter 26, verse 3. Excuse me. You might wonder why the Sedra begins with verse 3. Why not begin at the beginning? And the answer to that question lies in the fact that the chapter heading, the chapter designations are not of Jewish origin. And it wasn't the Jewish, uh, let's say, Masorah that designated the beginning and the end of each chapter. But we'll save that story for another time. So I want to start near the beginning. The Parsha begins in If you follow my decrees and observe my commandments and perform them, the blessings of the Torah will ensue. Blessings of prosperity, of peace, of success, of security, of fulfillment, of um, productivity, uh, freedom from menace from your neighbors or from uh, rapacious um, uh, neighbors who have uh, geopolitical designs on the Jewish homeland, all of those events would be reversed uh, subsequently, but the Torah, as I say, begins with the good news. With that intro, I want to take a look at Pasugud Aleph. It's the very last word on page 708. I shall place my sanctuary among you, and my spirit will not reject you. So this, these words, I will cause my sanctuary or maybe my presence, the divine presence to dwell amongst you. This, of course, is a very exalted blessing. Now, Ksava Kabbalah quotes Rabbi Avadia Seforno with actually a very novel idea. And in order to appreciate it, I want to remind you of what Ramban says. Ramban has a long and fascinating comment to the beginning of our Parsha, Ramban makes the assertion or the historical observation, you might say, that these blessings that are described in the Torah have not yet been fulfilled in their entirety. Some aspects during some certain times, but we don't find that the Jews collectively, he says, or even a group of Jews, one town or one province or even one neighborhood has been blessed with the fulfillment of all of these brachos the way the Torah describes. And the reason is that we, the Jewish people, have not yet been worthy of them. This is all predicated on Rashi says, if you exert yourself, if you toil in the Torah and certain other conditions, if they are realized, then the blessings will ensue. Now, thankfully, there have been times when those blessings partly have been uh, realized, 
I would say that we in our times live in an era, although spiritually we may be somewhat impoverished, but at the same time, I think there is a lot of spiritual energy and a lot of, uh, you know, growth uh, in a positive way in the Jewish community. But whether we are worthy fully or otherwise, we have been blessed with a time of peace and prosperity uh, in, our own, in our own times. But I don't really want to look at it from that point of view. I just want to observe that Ramban says that the blessings in their entirety have not yet been fulfilled. The implication, of course, is that in uh, future times, when you know, Mashiach arrives, when the Jewish people successfully get their house in order to the full extent, we can look forward to the fulfillment of these blessings. With that introduction, I want to tell you a most um, uh, novel suggestion that Avadia Sofono, Rabbi Avadia Sofono, the 16th century Italian uh, scholar of the Renaissance, a rabbinic uh, scholar of the Italian Renaissance, who died in 1550, and he writes that when it says, I will place my, uh, my sanctuary in your midst, he says, this is going to be a blessing that will occur wherever you may be, wherever the Jewish people may be, then the divine presence will dwell in their midst. And if you think that this is not a great novelty, let me go a bit further and say that Sephorno tells us this will be in accordance with the blessing that Hashem gave the Jewish people before the Chet HaEgel. There it says, And there the Torah says, on the, um, the very end of Parshas Yisro, there the Torah says that every place where I cause my name to be mentioned, I will go there and I will bless you. This, as I say, is a great novelty because according to Sephorno, maybe the end of Mishpatim, I think, because according to Sephorno, the Torah here means that the Mishkan, as it would later on by Betzalel and the Beis Hamikdash that became the focal point of Jewish prayer and Jewish yearning even to the very day, that was not part of the original plan. Stephanus suggests which prima facie is very radical, that before the sin of the golden calf, before the Jewish people demonstrated their inability to relate to God in an abstract way, the fact that they demonstrated they need something tangible, they need something uh, like um, uh, that they can focus upon, they need a place, they need a ritual that's uh, like the institutionalization of the service of God. The Chet Egel gave rise to the need for the Mishkan and ultimately for the temple that stood in, in Yerushalayim. Says Sephorno, that was all a plan B. That was all a concession to the weakness of the Jewish people, their inability to serve God in an abstract way. And according to the regional plan, every person could serve God uh, spontaneously. Everyone could build a Mizbech, an altar, in his own backyard. It would not be necessary to say only in a certain place, 
only through the agency of certain people, the Kohanim, only at certain times, only in certain ways, only certain animals, and under a, a, a whole raft of circumstances that are described in a lot of detail in our book of Vayikra. Says Sephorno, that was all a consequence of the Chet Ha'egel. And he says here that when Hashem says, in your midst, it means in the midst of every group. It won't be only in one place, in Yerushalayim and Har Habayis. It will be everywhere. It says as far as this goes back to the original plan before the Chet HaEgel. So now we can understand why Ramban says this has never been fulfilled. Then I would speculate that many of the Mephoshim may not agree that that situation will ever come about because the our usual understanding is that we seek and we pray for the restoration of the Beis Amikdash. Okay, maybe all the gore and the sacrifices don't appeal to us that much uh, nowadays, but nevertheless, we have in our tefillot, we have in our prayers, the idea of the restoration of the Beis Amikdash, according to Sforno, that is not the ideal, and that's not the fulfillment of the loftiest blessings that we find in the Torah, which are right here, but rather, he adds on to this. He finds a further um, like uh, um, validation of this suggestion. If you look at the immediate following passage, immediately following, your base, uh, verse 12, now, here in the English, he says, I will walk among you. But of course, the Torah could have said, and I shall walk. Says, uh, implies that I will go. He says, uh, someone who goes like all around. He doesn't just accompany people who are walking, who are marching, and he walks among them, nor does he simply, let's say, follow a particular route. He's going from uh, here to there. You walk from Golders Green to Hendon, or you walk from home to the base Medrash, or you walk or you drive, for that matter, from London to Gateshead. You are on a route. That's lalechet, to go. The hishalachti means I'm going to do a walkabout. I'm going to just like meander among the Jewish people. Says Xavah Kabbalah, this hints to the idea that the Torah is not going, Hashem is saying, I'm not limited to va'asuli mikdash v'shechanti v'sochan. Make for me a sanctuary and I will dwell in their midst. Where I'm going to be, if you want to find Hashem, so to speak, you go to the Mishkan, or you go to the Beis Amidash. Says the Torah, I'm going to walk among them. I'm going to meander. I'm going to do like a royal walkabout. It won't be where I will commune with you, which it says about the Mishkan. It won't be that way. In the future, the Shechina will be Every place where there is a gathering of righteous and deserving people, the Shina will be manifest there. And as I said, according to Sforno, he goes so far as to assert that this will go beyond the constraints and the limitations and the institutionalization of the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash. And maybe Messianic times will, according to this view, uh, um, present an experience which is completely different than what we have known ever in our history, including what we read about in the service of the Beis Amin Who knows what will be? We look forward to finding out. Okay, that is the first 
uh, comment which I'm sharing with you uh, this evening. Excuse me. Vihisalachti besochachem. I will meander. Anna va'ana says Ksava Kabbalah. Now I'd like to look at the uh, second, uh, the sequel, I guess, to the blessings, which I'm sure you know. I'm sorry to tell you, is the curses. So here we find uh, just a few verses there. I shall on the same page if you're with me in the stone chumash. In Pasuk Yudches, take a look at verse 18. And if until now, until all of this, you won't listen to me. So the Torah here is like uh, presenting waves of misfortune and expressions of divine disfavor, you might say disappointment with the Jewish people. And if this isn't enough, I will increase, I will continue, I will proceed to afflict you sevenfold. The art school people render it seven ways for your sins. Now this seven appears repeatedly. Rashi tells us uh, he actually counts uh, seven a sequence of seven uh, like stages. Uh, Rashi also refers to seven levels of the like decline of the Jewish people, or or even worse, the 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 spurning on the part of the Jewish people of Hashem and the Torah. And corresponding to that, we find seven forms or seven levels or seven waves of misfortune. Says Xava Kabbalah, an idea which I find quite um, satisfying. Again, there is a novelty in it, but let me tell you what he says. Sheva al-chatosichem. So I just told you, Rashi counts them, he enumerates them, the seven. And other Mephoshim do as well. Ksava Kabbalah asserts that Sheva, seven, does not always mean exactly seven. It doesn't always mean the number seven. It can also be an expression of multiplicity. It can be an expression of like a, a sequence or a series. It's a full set it's a series, or better yet, a cycle. Seven is a complete cycle. So it's like a, a large number. Seven is a large number, meaning if you think one, two, three, up to seven. In the biblical usage, in our tradition, seven is a way of expressing, like I said, a, a full set. It's like a situation which goes from bad to worse to worse to worse. So seven represents like the the... The, the depths of misfortune. The, uh, excuse me, the Pasuk says, Kishavi yipot tzadik vikam, that a righteous person will fall seven times and he'll get up. So it could mean exactly seven, but it's probably a way of saying repeatedly, even to the point that you would think a person might despair. He might feel as if, uh, you know, I've given it my best. I failed every time. I've got to, you know, abandon this project or whatever it might be. The Pesach says, even if he falls seven times, he still gets up. Ksavakala uh, doesn't quote that Pesach, it's just a Pesach that, that comes to mind. So he says the word Sheva, of course, is related to the word Shavua. Shavua, we know, means a week. I mean, it's obvious the Shavua is a septet of seven days. Uh, in the Mishnah, we find the word Shavua often referring to seven years. We had in last week's Parsha about the seven years in the Shemitah cycle and then the seven septets, the seven 
Shemitah cycles in the Yovel. Again, we find the word Shavua, meaning a set of seven. Says Xavah Kabbalah, a novel idea. He says the word Sheva and the word Shavua, they have a root of two letters, Shin, Vais, Shav. Shav, of course, means to return, to start over. Of course, that's the root of the word Teshuva, to repent. But the word Veshav, Veshuv means to do something repeatedly. Shav means to go back, to start over. Says Exavah Kabbalah that the, when the Torah says Sheva al Chatoseichem, it means that seven represents a full set or a full cycle. There's nothing beyond seven. After seven, you go back to the beginning. And that's what a week is. There are no week, days of the week beyond seven. Seven is the last day of the week. And after that, you've got the first day of the week. Seven is a cycle of seven. And we find that in the Torah so many times. Of course, Hashem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, bringing the world to its completion. And so it is that every week extends for seven days. And as we said, the Shemitah and the Yovel as well. But he says that the word Shav, the word Sheva derives from the word Shav because one cannot go beyond the Sheva. There are no more than seven days in the week. There are no more than seven years in the Shemitah cycle. He says this explains also the word Shivya. Shivya or Shevi, not short for Chevrolet. Shevi means captivity. A Shivuya is a captive. One who is a is Bishivya is in captivity. Uh, one who is a uh, captive is called Shavui. Shivya, how is that related to this idea of seven? Well, it's not necessarily related to seven, but it is related to shav. Now, you could say it's related to shave because he sits, meaning he's in, we use it colloquially, even a person sits in prison. But says Xavah Kabbalah, the meaning is that he cannot go further. He may have a cell that he can walk around. He may have the grounds of the prison. He can get some exercise or maybe not, but he is not free to go beyond. He is mugbal. He is limited. He is constrained by the circumstances. He is a shavui. He is a prisoner. And therefore, he cannot go beyond, but he can only go back on himself. He can go back and forth in his prison cell or however large the prison compound may be. This is the idea of the relationship between the word shivya or um, shevi captivity and the word shav to return. It means to return in a sense, he just goes in a cycle because he can't go beyond. He says even the word shivua, shivua meaning an oath, it's also closely related because he says a person who takes an oath, he binds himself or herself. Uh, that person is bound, is constrained by the limitations of the oath. If a person says he swears he's not going to eat something or he's not going to go somewhere, he's not going to do something. So his uh, options for eating or for visiting or for going or for doing are constrained. He has constrained his options by an oath. Of course, you could take an oath that he will do something, but then he's even more constrained because if he takes an oath, he's going to go to Israel, then he can't go to the Bahamas because he says he's going to Israel whenever you know it may be. The point is that a shavua, an oath, also constrains a person. It, it, it limits a person. And uh, he goes further as well. He makes a very, uh, I think, important observation. He says this idea that shiva means... Uh, represents a complete set or series or cycle after which we only go back again, shuv 
Veshuv, he says this is actually found in nature itself. He says that musical uh, scales, there are seven. He even puts it in the in the Hebrew, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, da. So the seven, he says that is in the, the now probably, um, you know, Maybe other, other animals can hear other frequencies, but in our human experience, there are seven musical scales, even the spectrum of colors as well. There's seven colors of the rainbow because the spectrum divides colors into seven primary colors. So we find that the number seven actually is incorporated into nature. That is to say, nature itself ex is expressed in the number seven, representing the full gamut of uh, options or possibilities, but certainly the Torah tells us that Hashem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, and therefore we have the cycle of seven. And the word Shavua means seven, seven days, uh, seven days in the week. But is again a chidush is that Sheva is related to the word Shav to return, to start over, to start over again. And this is his thesis that Sheva al Chatosechem just is a large number, meaning your punishment will be uh, like, um, uh, what do you say, acute or, or severe. It's a way of saying, expressing the severity of it. But now I want to get finally in the minutes we have left to the title that we gave for the shear tonight. I'm not sure how many of you took note of it, but Ruthie always asked me for a title for my shear. I'm sure she's right. It's more interesting if there's a title than if it's just 30 minutes on the parsha. So our title tonight is Am Yisrael Chai. Here we go. Towards the end of this harrowing series of curses, we find the following set of five psukim. Uh, it starts with Pasuk Mem until Pasuk Mem Dalet. So if you're with me in the art scroll, Chumash, the stone Chumash is on page 714. Now, the Torah has described, according to Rashi, certainly a sevenfold sequence of curses. According to rabbinic tradition, actually, this parsha of Bechukosai enumerates 49, that is to say, seven sets of seven curses. Towards the end, when it looks as if things can't get any worse, we have the following pasuk. Pasuk Mem, verse 40, if you look in the English, it's verse 40. They will confess their sin and their sins of their fathers for the treachery with which they betrayed me. And because they behave towards me with casualness, or maybe worse. I'm going to treat them with the fury of casualness. He says, with casualness. I will bring them to the land of their enemies. Then perhaps their uh, like callous heart will be humble. And they will gain appeasement for their sin. Now, Ksavik Kabbalah asks a question which is very compelling. And he says the Mepharshim have drawn attention to this. The sequence of verses is troubling. In verse 40, it says they will then they will confess their sin. It sounds as if the Jewish people are waking up. It sounds as if they are um, maybe belatedly, but they are coming around to recognize their failings, their wrongdoing, to recognize their transgressions, as the Torah says explicitly. They will confess their sin, the sin of their forefathers, for the treacherous they betrayed me. So it says, Kabbalah, 
why do they not experience the consolation of the Pasuk Umodeh V'ozev Yerucham? It says in Mishle, one who acknowledges and who abandons his sin will be will win favor, will win compassion, will win mercy. Rachamim. I'll read it again. The Pasuk in Mishle, it's 28, verse 13. If you want to look it up. Umodeh V'ozev One who admits and who uh, who who uh, moves on from his sin will be will be favored will be will be um, treated with mercy. We don't see that here. It says they'll confess their sin, but it just gets worse. And I will drive them into the lands of their enemies. Maybe they'll be uh, finally uh, humbled. Then they will gain appeasement for their sin. It goes on to say, I recall Brisi Yaakov, Afes Brisi Yitzchak, Afes Brisi Abraham, my covenant with Yaakov, with Yitzchak, with Abraham, and I will remember the land as well. But do we find that therefore the Jewish people are now favored and that the like uh, a divine punishment has run its course? We don't. The land will be, will be emptied of them, will be, what is it rendered here? Will be bereft of them. And it will be desolate. And then the Shemitah years that have been neglected by the Jewish people will be fulfilled. There won't be anyone to work the land year after year after year after year, not just to, for the Shemitah year, but any year. And therefore the land will, so to speak, be appeased. And then it says, When they are in the lands of their enemies, I haven't spurned them. I haven't found them. Uh, uh, what does it say? I have not rejected them, revolted by them, to destroy them. But it sounds pretty unhappy. What does what the Torah does describe? So again, the question is: Why is it that the Torah says towards the end, but before the very end of this set of curses, they will confess, they'll recognize their wrongdoing, but it doesn't seem to help them. It seems that the punishment gets even more severe. Says Xavier Kabbalah, an interesting idea. He suggests that it's all all of these verses from verse 40 to verse 44, those five, so 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, all are the point of view of the Jewish people. Here we're getting to the Am Yisrael Chai part. They will confess their wrongdoing, their sin and the sins of their fathers. The meaning is that they will come to a recognition that their misfortune and their th being thrust into exile was necessary for their purification. They will realize that even though they have been harshly rebuked, they've been driven from their land, but the purpose of that experience is to purge them of their impurities, to like humble their, their wickedness. And that includes as well the recognition of the blessing of Jewish survival in the lands of their enemies. It's all part of the confession, part of their coming around. It doesn't mean that Hashem will punish them even after their confession. It means that their confession, their recognition will include the realization that actually, although we have been driven into the lands of our enemies, but we've survived. 
Beryl Wines, Ozangazun, wrote a book, one of his early books, wrote many years ago, was called Triumph of Survival. And in that simple phrase, he encapsulates so much of Jewish history, the triumph of survival. The fact that we have been driven into exile, he says, we are a sheep surrounded by 70 wolves. That is the recognition that we will come to at the end of our exile. It says, oh, az levavam ha'areel, or maybe then their stubborn heart will be humbled. Says Rashi, oh, az means the word o here, which means or, here it means ulai. Rashi says it means ulai, perhaps. Says Xavit Kabbalah, when Rashi says ulai, perhaps they will be humbled finally after all of that exile. So according to this approach, what the people say is that, that is to say, the recognition of Klal Yisrael will be that Hashem says, oh, as the word oh, he says, it comes to the word iva and ta'ava. Ulai, my friends, is like halavai. Ulai doesn't mean just perhaps, it means I, I crave it, I yearn for it, I long for it. Hashem yearns for our return. Oh, as the kana, it means if only. Oh, as the word oh, meaning ulai, is like halavai. The word oh, alevav, is short for the word iva. Iva is like the word ta'ava. Ta'ava is desire. Is craving. Hashem desires our return. When we realize that Hashem is hoping and Hashem is, so to speak, uh, exhibiting patience for our return and Hashem is preserving us in our exile. When it says that the land will be desolate from them, so this already Ramban observes, that when it says that the land will be desolate of them and the land will be abandoned, and even their enemies, says Ramban, will not succeed in cultivating the land or gaining a permanent foothold. Says Ramban that uh, probably reflecting his own experience, because you know, towards the end of his life, uh, he actually went to the land of Israel in 1267. And in Eretz Israel, spent the last three years of his life. And in, in 1267, he arrived in Jerusalem and he saw the desolation of the city because it was reeling under decades of fighting between the Muslims and the Christian crusaders and all of that. And the land, no one succeeded in developing the land of Israel. Ramban already says this, that this is part of the consolation. So, so Targum Onkula says, like, you've got to put it in the, which means I've not found, rejected them or found them disgusting. Says, Onkulus, you've got to put it, understand, in the future tense. In the future, uh, I will not reject them. Says Xavier Kabbalah, but that is forced to talk about the future when it says it in the past. The meaning is the Jewish people will realize that God has not rejected us despite the suffering, despite the persecution. But God has not rejected us, and the proof he's not rejected us is that we are still here, including this year tonight, at this late date in Jewish history. They will realize the chesed that Hashem has enabled us to survive, where no other ancient nation that's been scattered and, and, and um, driven from their land still is... Uh, able to maintain its status and its uh, 
uh, destiny, and this is the fact that we are still here. That's why I say Am Yisrael Chai. Says Eksava Kabbalah, they, this is the end of the of the curses. The verses that follow after their confession doesn't describe Hashem's further punishment to the Jewish people. On the contrary, that's part of our recognition. That's part of our confession and our realizing that we have been steeled by adversity, to borrow a phrase. We have been uh, uh, subject to uh, terrible you know, privations and, and predations in this exile, but the fact that we have survived, the fact that Hashem has protected us, the fact that we are still in existence is all a result of our recognition of where we've gone wrong. Bezat Hashem, uh, this, these uh, insights that we've shared tonight will be a small part of that recognition. I don't mean to say to cast dispersions on Chal Yisrael where you know, we have gone wrong, but certainly for each of us you know, individually, there is no doubt room for our improvement. And again, as I said earlier in this year, maybe we are on the path of return. Maybe we are on a trajectory towards returning to the land of Israel. Certainly the fact that in our lifetimes, there is a state of Israel, and um, you know we are seeing so many favorable developments uh, in terms of world history and Jewish history as well. Perhaps that process is of recognition of our shortcomings and appreciation for our own survival is finally underway. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I've got to run because I've got Mincha now, uh, summertime Mincha schedule, still time for Mincha, so... Um, Thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Amazing share, Rabbi Simon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And have a nice holiday. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so Thank much. You Beautiful thoughts. Rabbi Thank Simon, what's happening on Shavuot? There is a lesson on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Thursday, isn't there's it? Shirim, there are Shirim on Shavuot as well, but uh, if you go on to the Kesher Connection, you'll find them. Okay. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very much. Ephraim, do you live that you could we can invite you for Shabbos meal? Do you live nearby here? Or uh, no, the fact is that I live in the borough of Bexley. And oh my that goodness. It's well, a big problem because I lost my mother in July 2019. Mm. Then I am uh, totally isolated. Well, can, you, to, can you move I, to a more Jewish area? Uh, I hope to be able to do so, but I have little idea of uh, where exactly to move. Because I am uh, lucky in that I am able to uh, say all the service in the Italian. Uh, mm -hmm. You're Italian. I was uh, raised in Italy, yes. Where? Uh, in uh, Milan. Milano, right. Yes, I... Mm -hmm. I uh, did my PhD in Israel and I came after 10 years. I came in 1994. Mm -hmm. Well, it'd be nice if you can come to this area for Shabbat, we'd be very happy to have you. Um, we're not at a stage we can host because we aren't able to in our house at the moment, but it'd be a, it would be very nice to have you for a, a Shabbat meal. Maybe we can help find you. We know some Italians in, in this area. Maybe somebody could host you. Possibly. Yes, because uh, in 1994, I actually uh, went to visit several rabbis, but unfortunately, I was sent from the one to the other, because mm -hmm. I hoped uh, that having found a job in London to set up a family, but it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. 
Never too late. Okay. Be in touch, okay? Good Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Bye-bye.